I really believe that like the husbands we're, we're getting Amen. just yeah. as much as they right. are. <laughs> if you're not, then you're not paying attention right. <laughs> because we, we don't get out of anything. Amen. That's right. uh, none of us do. We are all accountable. Amen. Amen. And uh, thank God for that. Uh, there's that accountability for us so we can grow and we can learn. And uh, anyway, so Proverbs 31, uh, verse number 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Now, last week we talked about her opening her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue, the law of kindness, right? So everything that came out of her was, her words were very wise. That's why there's strength in what she says, because her words are very wise. You know, she's very cal uh, calculating in that sense, not in a bad way, but in a good way, prudent, it's called. She's very prudent in the way that she speaks. So, and, and we'll talk about that too today when it comes to this next part. And, in the, and, and everything is governed by the law of kindness. Now, that doesn't mean she's not firm when she needs to be, because a, a wife and a mother have to be firm at times in different situations with their children and with the home and how everything goes. There has to be a firmness there. That, that has to be there, otherwise you get, you get taken advantage of by children and you, they'll, they'll, run you, they'll, they'll run you around. And, and so there needs to be a firmness. It sets the tone for the home, right? But it's governed always by the law of kindness. So there are times that I will say things a certain way that my wife would never say them that way. Why? Well, because she's a lady. And, and she's not supposed to speak that way, right? There's a difference in the... Now, they, she may speak the exact same truth. It's just not going to come out the same way, right? Because there's a difference in, of meekness and the quiet spirit and, and everything like that, that that is different than a man. A man's going to come across... I mean, I never... When I hear a man, you know, speak firmly and loud, loudly, some, I don't mean screaming, like, in a terrible way or whatever, insulting and all that. I'm not talking about that, but just being very firm and, and, and straightforward. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way men speak, when, especially when they're speaking with authority and they're dealing with things. Now, you shouldn't be screaming and losing it and doing all that. Uh, save all that for preaching when you're going to get loud, right? But, uh, but you, you need, you're going to be louder than a woman. I mean, I don't expect you to walk around with, a, with, with, with that. I mean, I, I, you expect a little bit of gruffness and, and that kind of thing from a man. You just do. And you ought to. That's society. That's the way, or that's not society. That's Bible. And in society, though, they want to they wanna feminize men and make them not do that. Like if any man lifts up their voice and says something a little bit out of line, they're ready to call the police on you and be like, oh, my goodness, I feel threatened. Maybe you need to eat some of that raw steak I ate last night or something. Maybe that's what <laughs> because because that's what like I don't I I don't see that. and men will talk to each other like that. Then they'll get over it. And women, if you talk to if if they hear that they're just like taken aback by that. And well, and you shouldn't talk to women that way. But when you talk to men and you're doing that, men are just like, okay, we're over it. It's over. <laughs> Sometimes women can't compartmentalize that like men can. We could just be like, well, that was just that discussion. I mean, that's just the way <laughs> it's the way it was. I mean, we're not mad at each other. <laughs> we're not, like we're not angry. Wait, this is how you guys normally talk? Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we're not mad. We're not <laughs> it's just we're men. That's how that's how men talk. I mean, and we're definitely not English chaps. Right? We're Americans. Too. So, you know, you have culturally you have difference. If you're over in Russia, there that doesn't mean any none of it excuses any sin or any, you know, mean treatment, but it's just we, there are personality differences and there are differences in men and women, when, like we talked about last week. So that's important to understand, because if you think your husband is supposed to talk like you, then you're going to be offended at everything he says. Amen. 
If you think your husband's supposed to be like this soft little puppy dog licking your hand all the time type talk, then you're really going to be offended by him. Because when he starts exerting manhood and starts, starts leading and starts speaking boldly, it'll, it'll offend you. You won't like it. Why? Because he's speaking like a man and he's giving you direction. And if you, you think, if you take what society does where men aren't supposed to be that way, right? Like, you're not supposed to be that way. No, they are supposed to be that way. Right? That's, that's why people listen to men when they speak like that. They, men speak with authority like that in that sense. The lady, though, she speaks with authority too, but it's through the law of kindness. That's her authority. That's the way that she speaks. So there's a difference in the two. Amen? So anyway, the next verse, though, she looketh well to the ways of her household. This is, the, this is what we're going to focus on today. She looketh well to the ways of her household. A wise woman looks well to the ways of her household. And the question I have to ask you is, are you a wise or a foolish woman? Are you a wise, and fool, or, or wise or a foolish wife? This is, it's, a, it's a good question. John's like, I'm neither, all right? I'm not. But don't worry, John, we'll get something that applies to you, okay? Because uh, John's like, I'm not either one of them. And no, you don't get to take a nap, everybody, because you're not one of those, <laughs> right? You, you're going to marry one one day, amen? Uh, so uh, we got to make sure that we all understand that, right? What that is, what the boundaries are for those things, and, and understand what God says about that. So it's very important. See, that's why biblical preaching, no matter what you preach on in the Bible, if it comes from the Scriptures, it's going to be applicable to everybody in the room right. in some way. Because it will teach you how to deal with certain situations, even though you're not the wise woman or the foolish one. Right? So that's why Scripture is always, always relevant when people use that term relevant, right? Scripture is always relevant. It never, there's never a time it has never been, that it's not been relevant. It's always been relevant. Right. That's, it's, it's just, it's inspired, infallible, perfect. That's right. Amen. Boy, that'll mess some people up. And this book I'm talking about, this one is not that, like, you know, imaginary one they make up that they don't have in their hands. We believe in the Word of God. Which one? Yeah. <laughs> I hear those guys say that, and I'm like, I hear you say that, but I'd like to know what you mean by that. Right? The universal yeah, I guess so. I'm definitely not talking about the TR. I'm talking about the King James Bible. Right. So I, I make that known to people. That There's a lot of guys that are, they say they're strong in the King James. Well, then be strong in the King James, not the Texas Receptus, because the King James is not the Texas Receptus. But for more about that, wait, it's coming. We're, you'll look forward to it. We'll, we're going to do some more of that this winter here. We've got to get back into the Bible text issue, amen, and talk about that. So I, I'm very firm on that. Even though I, I've read resources from people that I disagree with on that, that, that are more TR, and all that, I, I don't agree with them. I believe they're wrong, right. Yep. right? And if I thought it was right for me to chase down the Greek and the Hebrew, I would do it. Right. But since God provided me this, why would I? Right. Providentially, why would I? It's going to take me a lifetime and I'm still not going to master this. <laughs> so I'm not going to dig around in mines that are already filled in. I'm going to deal, deal with what I have right here. Amen. Amen. I like it. It makes people, they, they get, well, that's a little too King James for me. Good. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I, I'm really comfortable with that. I am, right. really. Right? Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do. And Lord, we just pray you bless us now in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number one, she is wise in how she builds her house. Now, I preached a message to you back in 2018. Some of you weren't here. 
Some of you in diapers. A few of you were, right? <laughs> Not Ryan, but <laughs> one of his one of his chances are one of his children were, right? Right? They always are, aren't they? <laughs> at least a couple of them, right? <laughs> but uh, but some of you weren't here at that time. But uh, you know, I I'm going to use some of the information that I had from that sermon. Why? Because it's right. That's why. So I'm going to go back and use it because it's good and I've covered it. But I'm here and I'm going to deal with this to the ways of her household and deal with that again because it's very applicable. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Notice that she is not concerned merely that she has a house or that she has children, but she is concerned with the ways of her household. See, that's so important. It's not enough for you to be uh, a keeper at home and just be there in that sense. It's not the key. You know, it, you, you are actually more than just your presence being there that is important. It's the work that you do there. It's, the, it's, the, it's your eyes that are looking. They're watching. You're paying attention to your children. You're, you're looking well to, to their ways, right? She takes an active interest in guiding every aspect of the home. Her house is not just a place to live in, but her family, the home life, the ways of her children. She's watching the ways of her children. In order for you to perfect your children, what I mean by that, bring them to maturity. In order for the way for you to bring them to maturity, you have to be watching them. You've got to be watching their actions, watching what they do, learning and seeing things that, that you don't that you don't like about their character. I'm not saying you nitpick them. What I'm saying because there's a lot of things that you should pray about before you just jump on. I, I know that as a pastor, there's a lot of things that I pray about. I don't just jump on them. Right? And I was just, you know. Like get all frantic, oh no. No, I, do. I wait, I pray, I watch. Sometimes things work out, God deals with them and I don't have to say a thing and I love it when that happens. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I love it when that happens. <laughs> when I don't have to do anything, I don't have to say anything and have really hard conversations. I really don't like those, they're not that much fun really. They're just not, but they're necessary at times, right? So I pray about it and I see what God's going to, you ought to pray about it too, but then you ought to act when, when it's necessary. You pray and then you act on that, right? Because you're watching the ways of your children. If you notice things about your children, by the way, husband and wife, you should be having conversations about things about your children. You should be having those private conversations. You should be having those uh, concerns that you might have or things that you might have to talk about. Why? So dad knows what he can pray for because you're around him all the time. Dad needs to know what he needs to pray for specifically for them. You know, he's working, he's busy, he's working, you're busy, you're working, but he's working, you know, sometimes 40 to 60, 70 hours. It depends on what it is, you know, but you're busy, right? You need to know, they, dad needs to know from you the things that he needs to pray for each one of his children for. You know, if something comes up, if there's a challenge there. And also, so if dad needs to go talk to the child and have some time with them and, and, and try to help them through something, they, he can do it. He knows. He's educated about it, right? So it's not just you doing it, but you're the one watching it. You're the one that's governing it. You're looking at it. You're paying attention to it, to what's going on, the ways of your children. Why? Because we're, our goal is to perfect them, to bring them to maturity. 
That's our goal. That, as a pastor, my goal is to perfect you. As a church, our goal is to perfect one another, to edify one another in the fear of the Lord, right? That's what our goal is, that we would all be mature Christians. That's the goal. Now, we don't all start out mature. We all start out as babies, right? But our goal is to bring us all together in maturity, to grow in maturity. And I've seen that happen in the 17 years I've pastored. I've watched that happen. I've watched God do that right? To grow people to maturity. That's what the church is for. Your home is the same thing. You are raising your children. They are not just growing up. Do not have a mindset of, well, my children are going to grow up. Yeah, they are, but you're to raise them. You are to raise them. That's what you are to do. And raising them means that you take special care of them. Just like Luke, when you're, when you're raising those plants, right? Uh, tomatoes and all that, you're growing those peppers. And Jacob, when you're growing those peppers that are burn your feet. You can't even blow your nose. But anyway, you have those peppers, right? And they're really hot, And you, but you're raising them, right? You're, you take it. They won't grow if you don't do anything, right? You have to do some things, right? And you have to take special care for that. Same thing goes with children. You have to take special care with them. You have to watch how they grow. You have to watch how they're maturing. Watch for different things and, and look and pay attention. It's the same way. Proverbs chapter 14, if you would, please. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number one. Pay close attention to this verse. It's very important. Every wise woman buildeth her house. This means every wise woman in her home is building. She is building something. Just like Brother Paul and I, we were having a conversation about building the things that he's building together. And he's telling me the things that they're doing on that job site and what they're doing. They have to build that. They have to put that together in order for them to be able to use it. They got to have different instruments and different uh, tools and different things that they, they have need of. They got to have the proper tools, right, to build properly. It's the same thing with the home, right? Every wise woman, every wise woman buildeth her house. This is not just talking about a wife, it's talking about, or, or a mother, it's talking about a wife, it's talking about a woman in, in her own home, even in her own life, building. Every wise woman buildeth her house. You are always working on building, always in the home. You are looking at things in the home and you are building on those things. Every wise woman buildeth. That means you're not, that, that, what does that tell us? <laughs> that you're not lazy. That you're productive in the home, that you're working at your home. You're working at, at, at your relationship with your husband. You're working on your relationship with your children. You are working on that, working actively on that. Those things are important to you. But the foolish plucketh it down with their hands. You know, a woman, even so more so than a man at times, can destroy a home quickly. She can pluck it down and destroy it. A man can too, but a woman, because that is her place, that is the, that is the, the sphere of her work, right? And if it is, she, will, she can pluck that down with her hands and destroy it if she's not careful. There are a few ways to look at this warning in, the, in this text. Number one, don't be a foolish woman. Number two, don't raise a foolish woman. <laughs> Number three, don't marry a foolish woman. <laughs> Amen. 
What does it take for a foolish woman to pluck her home down with her hands? Do nothing at all. Just do nothing at all. You'll destroy it. There's been people through neglect. There have been, there, there are women through neglect that destroy their homes. Through just neglecting their work. That's the first way to do it. Just neglect it. If you, if you neglect your home, you'll destroy it. It just, you don't have to do anything to destroy it. It's like you and I, we don't do anything to destroy our marriage. Just don't work on it at all. Don't do anything. Ignore your wife. Ignore your responsibilities. You know, and you'll destroy it. Neglect destroys worse than, than doing things the wrong way at times. It leaves a hole. Now both are wrong, but it leaves a hole. What does it take? So that's, that's the first thing it takes. If you want to destroy your home, just do nothing at all. You'll destroy it. You'll bring it down. Idle. Be idle. That's what, that's what the scriptures are talking about. If you're idle, you'll destroy. Right? You'll just destroy. You want to destroy the morale of your home? Just be an idle woman. Don't do anything. You'll destroy the morale of your children. You'll destroy the morale of your husband. It just, it just destroys. Why? Because you're idle. You're idle. Doing nothing. There's nothing worse like when, a, when you go to work, right, and you're working, and then there's somebody there that just won't do anything. They're just idle. They don't do their job, and you have to do their job, and you're like, what does it do? It destroys the morale because you're destroying teamwork. It's like you're here to work as a team, right? We work as a team. I do my job. You do your job. We work together. And when they don't do that, what does that do? It destroys the morale. The guy's sitting over there like, man, I ain't getting paid to do your work. I'm getting paid to do mine. I mean, I, if you were injured or something, I'd help you. If you, you know, I wouldn't let you get fired because you're injured. I'd, I'd help you. I'd, I'd just make sure that, okay, we got to help this guy. He's hurting right now. So we'll pick up the slack for him. But if you're just idle and you don't want to do anything, what does that do? It destroys morale, right? That's why in the, in the Lord's church, none of us are to be idle about our spiritual work. We all have a work to do. Everybody in this room has something to do for the Lord. Amen. Everybody in this church has something of importance to do for the Lord. Everybody. All of us. There's responsibility. We, we spiritually, we work. And in our own lives, we work. If you, by the way, if you want to destroy your spiritual life too as well, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying if you want to hurt your fellowship with the Lord and destroy it and that's destroy your fellowship and destroy your walk with God, you know all you have to do is do nothing at all? Just go through life and don't read your Bible, don't pray, don't acknowledge the Lord, don't be faithful to God, and guess what? You'll, you'll destroy it by idleness, by being spiritually idle. You'll, just, you'll, hurt, you'll hurt your relationship with the Lord, right? You might, God might kill you too for it. Amen. Oh, I believe God kills people. I absolutely, his people. I believe he kills his own people. Say, prove it. Moses, get up in that mountain and die. Well, Moses' natural forces weren't abated. His eye was not dim. He was healthy, man. He's 120 years old. He was healthy, man, doing pretty good, strutting around. God says, hey, Moses, get up that mountain and die. Whoa. <laughs> That's heavy. <laughs> you see that mountain over there, Moses? Go up there and die. Oh, God, don't do that. Yeah, he did. He did it there. He killed him. He said, go up that mountain and die. God can do the same to you and I if we're not productive. God said, you ain't going to the promised land. You did this. You get up in that mountain and you go die. Joshua's going in. Man, he, he really asked God for that. God said, don't ask me about that anymore. You're not going. Get up in there and die. Amen. 
There's more. You look in the New Testament, there's all over it. God says there's a sin unto death. He's talking to the saved. He ain't talking to the lost. He's talking to you. He says, yeah, you can sin. You can sin so grievously as a child of God that God will kill you. People say, well, that's not very much of a punishment. Really? You want to die? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Somebody said, yeah. <laughs> What's that? Someday, Someday but not, not right this second. And not because I was in sin. I don't want my home going to the Lord to be because I'm living in wickedness. What a shame that is, that you have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? For what you did in your body, no, you're not answering for your sins. That's already been paid for on Calvary. We're not talking about that, but you realize like there's, like you don't want your father to be ashamed of you, right? You, you get that, right? God still, you still love your children, but when they do something wrong, you're ashamed of that, right? That doesn't mean you stop loving them. God doesn't stop loving his children because they, they do something wrong. But it brings shame to them to do that wrong. You don't want to die in shame. No true child of God, blood-bought saint, wants to end their lives in disgrace. Right? People have a really weird sense of, well, no, you just got to go to hell and lose your salvation. That's how that works. That's the only way that works right. Well, that's in your stupid head because you don't understand the scriptures. <coughs> You don't understand what it means to be a son. You don't, you don't ever lose, your, lose the sonship. You don't ever stop being a son. When the son of man shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You're made a son by adoption, right? By the blood of Jesus Christ. You are a child of the king. That doesn't change. But if you don't conduct yourself as a child of the king, you're going to find out from God how that's going to work. And you, you won't like it. Amen. I don't, people that say people that have a, a perverse view of that and think that well you know well, God's just going to reward you to take you to heaven when you live in wickedly that's not a reward to go in shame do you get that that's not a like that's your like you're the last moments of your life and the remembrance of that right that's 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 a shame and if you love the Lord you don't want to do that amen that's important to understand that's that's good theology right there that's Bible. Anyway, she again is not idle, but working, working on the ways of her children and her family and helping her husband. Ambrose, one, Ambrose noted that when God asked Abraham, where is thy wife, Sarah? He was not ignorant where Sarah was, but that he asked the question that by Abraham's answer, behold, in the tent, he might teach women where they ought to be, namely in the house and not so much in the house as in the affairs of the house, making ready provision to entertain God as Sarah was. What does that mean? That means your home ought to be a place that the Holy Ghost is comfortable in. Amen. That God Almighty is comfortable in. Your home ought to be a place. You understand that, right? That our homes are supposed to be a place where God Almighty is comfortable to be in. The, spirit, the, the presence of the Spirit of God and the, and, and the, and the joy of the Holy Ghost and, and uh, the power of God ought to, be, it ought to be very comfortable there. Amen. That's right. I mean, we're not the world. We're, we're the church, so that means that in our homes, the Holy Ghost should be comfortable with coming right into our home and sitting down there, right? I understand he's in us. I'm not naive. I, get, I understand theology. I understand what the Bible says about that. But the truth is, is that our homes ought to be a place of comfortable fellowship for God. Would God come to your home like he did Abraham's, or could he? Would he find your wife there? Boy, most independent Baptists today, they wouldn't find that God wouldn't find their wife there when he came home, would he? When he came to their home. 
Oh, she's at work. She's at the office. Amen. Isn't that right? Come on. But he did with Abraham. He knew where Abraham. Why do you think he said about Abraham that I know Abraham and I know he'll follow me. He'll teach his children to follow me. Amen. Behold, in the tent. The house properly so called was that interior of the building is under her especial care, right? It is her temple of service. In the sense, I know this is figurative, but she's like a priestess there. As the female priestess in the Roman temple and the Hebrew priests in the temple of God were responsible for the internal order of the temples, so is every woman responsible for the order of the home, the cleanliness, the comfort of the house of which she is the social priestess, so to speak. And we know that's just using it as a term of example. But the point is, I get what he's saying. What he's saying, she's the one that makes that spiritually the place that it's to be, right? She's the one that makes that that place. It is her house, and it is, it is, in it, she is expected to perform duties to which she is not called in any other house. Her oversight and presence, if not her actual labor, are indispensable to the proper arrangement of everything in it. Amen. People say, well, yeah, you're the man of the house. Yeah. And she's a woman of the house, right? And by the way, I don't get all this other stuff either. Everything I have belongs to my wife. We're one flesh. I don't have no separate this and separate that when it comes to everything. Everything When I die, everything's hers. <laughs> and I, mean, I, I don't have this separate thing where it's like, well, I have this separate account for this and this separate thing. I don't have anything separate like that. It's all hers. She's my wife, right? We're one flesh. We're not like, I mean, that is the strangest concept to me at all for Christians to walk around acting like they got all these separate things going on. Who in the world do you think you are? Amen. We're a, we're a family. We're, that's my wife. That's my one flesh. Everything I have is this. Well, does she have this? And she has everything I have. Amen. That's how it's supposed to be. Why wouldn't it be that way? That's odd to me. That you would set up a different life like that and have like all this separate stuff. If I can't trust her, I guarantee you I can't trust nobody on this earth. And I mean that with everything in me. If I can't trust my wife, I ain't got nobody on this earth to trust. Amen. I just, I don't get, I have no understanding of that concept of doing that. Like that. It's not biblical, it's worldly. We're not two people going different ways. We're one flesh. We talk to each other out of courtesy for things and kindness, Right? But that, that's why we talk about things. That's because she's my joint heir in life here, right? So we talk about everything. Like that, but it's like, it's, I mean, it's not, well, it's all mine. She treats me like that, right? I mean, she, she defers to my judgment and everything like that. But I don't, everything I have is hers. I don't have anything that's not hers. No, I didn't get a prenup. No, <laughs> I didn't have anything anyway. So <laughs> Two nickels to rub together. But, uh, yeah, for better or worse, and mostly it was worse. <laughs> but is, it, is there one about in poor? Is, is there one? I forgot. I forgot the vowel. Sorry. Yeah, rich and definitely the poor is. <laughs> spiritually rich, very poor. <laughs> That's how it is. Man, you got enough money for McDonald's. All right, we're going. <laughs> but you know something? By the way, you know what I hate to see, though? I hate to see couples, they do that, and then, man, when they do get something in life, then they, yeah. they leave the other one. 
It's like they worked all their life with you. You had nothing. And then you're going to leave them? You're going to leave that woman? You're going to walk away from your wife? You're going to walk away from your wife after now you actually have something that you never, you never had anything before and she went through all that with you? Oh, no, that's why the Bible says rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Amen. I thank God for it. But anyway, the wife manages the house. Yes, the husband is the head of the house, but the wife manages it. She manages. That's why when you look at husband and wife and your children come to you, it's like there's no difference. I mean, you're talking to my wife, you're talking to me. When it comes to that, we're not playing that games. Children, you don't play games with me. If your mama tells you something, she told you something. That's like me telling you. Right? She might defer to me. And I might override something that is, if it's not right, because I don't want my children to grow up in hypocrisy either and let their mother do things that are wrong or say things that are wrong that aren't right, right? I don't want them to grow up like that either. I want all of us to be right with God, right? That's, that's important. That's what leadership does, right? But anyway, uh, the affairs of business of the house is her special care. It is, it is for her to preside over the domestic economy of the house, over that which we call housekeeping. All transactions of this nature seem naturally to fall within her jurisdiction. It looks odd and out of place to see them in others' hands. It looks odd to have somebody else do your wife, work as a wife. You understand that, lady? Somebody else shouldn't be doing your work as a wife like that. that that's you. I mean, you can govern it. Your daughters are going to do work and... Your sons are going to learn to do dishes because a man wipeth the dish, right? Amen. Rachel's favorite verse because she has a lot of sons. She's like, yes! <laughs> I mean, Rachel's got that in her kitchen. It's like plastered. It's like big old batter over there as a man wipeth the dish right there because she's got a lot of sons. So it's like, hey, no. You think because you're not girls, you ain't doing dishes? Get in that kitchen, boy. <laughs> There's my Bible verse for it. <laughs> and Luke, you're the tallest one, so you can reach everything. Or is Peter taller than you now? Is he? When worlds collide. I don't know. About the same height, are you? All right. You're both taller than me, so that's all that matters. So I'll use you when I need to to grab stuff, all right? But uh, anyway. But you all learn and you govern and you manage things. But you know what? Children, are, they have to do all those things. But do you know what? That's why the Bible says God tells us a child left himself bringeth his mother to shame. Right. Always goes back to the mother. Right. Always goes back to the mother. And that's why they feel so much shame when their children don't do right. right. So children, you be careful about, about treating your mother poorly and doing wrong and living in sin and getting out there and, and being rebellious because you hurt your mom's feelings. You break her heart when you sin. Amen. When you do things against your mom, it, it hurts her heart. You remember that. Don't you forget that either. When you sin against the Lord and you sin against your parents, yeah, it bothers your dad, but it bothers your mom a whole lot more. Because she's the one that spent so much time raising you and home with you and managing you. And she thinks it's a direct failure of herself when you do something wrong. When you don't obey God. Amen. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You listen up. You remember that. As you grow older, that you bring shame to your mom. That's your fault. And you got to live with that for the rest of your life. Don't do that. You don't have to. You don't have to live like that. God's made a way for you not to. Amen. Take heed, lady, though, that you do not pluck down that which God has given you, to, you power to build up. Because it's quite possible for you to do it if you teach them wrong by your example. If you're given to entertainment and watching things and social media or other things besides diligent hard work and organization of the home, you teach them the order of importance is pleasing the flesh and not the spirit. Not walking in the spirit and not being obedient to God and not following that which is right. 
If you put foolishness before your children's eyes, they'll become fools. Mothers should teach their children to pray. The father's not there, the, the early family devotions at times. Mothers need to teach their children to pray. You teach your children to go to the scriptures. You teach your children. It's your responsibility as a mother, as guiding the home. You teach them to walk with God. In that sense, the wise woman in her home is a social architect. She builds her house. She has plans in relation to each department. She knows what she purposes to do before she begins to do anything. Building implies personal exertion on the part of the architect. All his work is not done when he has drawn the plan and issued his orders. He must see that they are executed. A lot of times, here's what happens. I'm going to tell you this. From a father or a husband leading or a mother or a wife guiding children or whatever, you say, well, I told them what to do, and you stop there. As a husband, well, I told my wife what to do, and you stop there. You've not done all of your job. You've only done a partial job. You don't just tell someone you make sure that it gets done. You follow through with the plans that are being executed. That you, you drew up all those plans, you set all that order up, you did all those things, and now you're not gonna make sure that they're followed through? You think just telling somebody something is enough? You say, well, I told them. It's like, it's like children, I, I hear parents do this, and they give, it's like they give up. Well, I told them what to do, what was right to do. Well, did they do it? No? Well, are they doing it? No? Well, then you only did part of your job. Because all you did was tell them. That's not enough. It's not enough for you just to tell them. You have to make sure that it's executed. Right. And not hears only deceiving your own selves. So many people try to cop out and say, well, I told them. It's like pastoring. I tell people for years. I preach for years about things. People don't listen. What do I have to do? I have to follow through. I can't say, well, I just told them. I have to follow through. As a pastor, I have to continue. I, I have to deal with it, right? Continue. I can't just say, well, I told you. No, that's not enough. And you can't just tell your children, well, I told them the right way to do that. Right, well, then you show them. And then you enforce it. Then you make it happen. Because it's not, you're not, there's no cop out. You don't get to get out of it because it said, well, I told them. That's not building anything. So you told them what the plans were, but you didn't make sure they were executed. That's, that's one part of child rearing is to give them instruction. The rest is to give them the direction and make sure that they do it and they obey it. Right? It's, it, you, you, it's common sense, isn't it? But it's, it's right there. We must see that it's executed. We must show them how that, that is to be carried out. In times of emergency, the general of an army must, like Napoleon at the Bridge of Lodi, engage himself in hand-to-hand -hand fight with the enemy. So will a wise woman. She does not always say go, but sometimes come. She does not say that is the way when this is the way is necessary. She never contents herself with saying do this without assuring herself that it is done. We assume sometimes, well, I mean, I told them to do it, so they're just going to do it. I... Don't assume that. I mean, you'd like to be able to, I understand, but liking to and being able to are two different things, right? 
real management is making making sure things get done. It's not just barking out orders. It's making sure that they get done, making sure that they've followed through, right? You go on a job site, you can tell there's people that, well, this is the way it's supposed to be done. And then you get to the job site, and nobody's doing it that way. Why? Because nobody's, because nobody's telling them, you, this is what the regulation is. You're supposed to do it this way. If you don't do it this way, people are going to get hurt, right? They have a lot of regulations, right, Paul? And if people don't do it, what happens? It, it falls through. Yeah, right, right. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you learn, right? You can't just say something and not follow through with it. It has to be followed through with. It's part of managing. It's part of making sure people know what they're doing. I mean, you know, think about, I want you to think about this way. Let's say you're working with somebody, uh, and you've told stories about this. You're working with somebody on a powered line like that, right? Well, the guy you're working with, you want to make sure they know how to cut the power to something, right? You want to make sure things are cut. You want to make sure things are right. You want to make sure that you're not right, Scott. You want to make sure no, nobody's going to get electrocuted, right? We want to make sure of that. I want to make sure. So they have training and they have retraining and they have men that look over their stuff and they, they, to make sure what? That it's done right. Why? Because if it's not, somebody's going to die. And when you raise children, you have to think about it the same way. And you have to teach children that disobedience can kill you. It has killed people. You, you train a child not to run out in the road. And if you do this one, two, three garbage stuff, and they run out to the road, and they die because on the third one, hey, man, they, they only heard one, two, but on three, they're out in the road, ran over, dead. Well, your one, two, three didn't do any good. They ought to be able to go, stop! And they're like this. I'm, I'm dead serious. That's that, dead serious because children have been ran over and killed like that or touch something that's going to hurt them or kill them, right? They, that, if you don't have that obedience, we have to work at having that obedience because that's important. Why? It's going to be important when they're 17 and 18 and you try to give them advice about life because if you didn't have it down here and you try to give them advice about life and they may not listen to you anyway, but you know what? If you're trying to give them life, they're used to listening to you, Right? And you instruct them and you tell them, don't do this. I don't think that'd be wise, son. Don't do that. Or daughter. I don't think that'd be wise. Right? By the way, even if they don't obey, your conscience is clear. Your conscience is clear. Do you understand the peace that you have? Hey, <laughs> I did everything I could do. And they rebelled. Let it be said of this church. If, these, if any of these children rise up and, and, and they rebel against their parents, they didn't do it in my household. They had to go out there to sin. Why? Because then I have a clear conscience when it comes to that. I didn't let them live like the, like the devil here in my home. They chose to leave and do it their own, just like the prodigal did. He chose to leave his father's house. Well, his father didn't say his father didn't raise him right. He chose to leave him. He chose. People make that choice, right? But let, let it be said that they didn't do it here, though. You're not doing it here. This ain't the training ground for you to sin. <laughs> You're going to do right here, and I'm going to teach you to do right here, and I'm going to train you to do right here. And if you sin, it's on you. But I gave you the necessary tools you needed to walk with God and to succeed, right? I made the home that place. A mother makes the home that place. 
Building implies a union of diverse materials to form a complete whole. Many and diverse materials are brought together to build a house. It would be impossible to erect a building of usefulness and beauty of one material alone. And so a wise woman brings together many different elements and blends them in due proportion in order to make the home life true and beautiful and good. Her wisdom is shown in developing the abilities and capacities of each member of the household so that each may contribute to the strength and comfort of the whole. You all work together. You, each, I guarantee you, uh, every mom here can look, if, if she's paying attention, and she can tell you the strengths of, their, of, her, of her daughters or her sons and the weaknesses of her daughters or sons, which you don't exploit and tell everybody how bad that is, right? Or how bad they are. You work on those things, right? It's like I was telling my daughters the other day, two of my daughters, they were kind of nitpicking at each other about different things that they do and different things they know how to do. And I said, listen, I said, here's what we don't do. We're not going to exploit each other's weaknesses. We're not going to do that. What you're going to do is the strength that you have, you're going to help your sister to have that strength. And the strength that she has, she's going to help you in the weakness that you have. But what you're not going to do is tear each other down. That you're not going to do. Why? Because it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help. You might think it makes you feel better or something, but that's not what you're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to edify and build each other up. So if somebody's good at something, help them if you're good at it. Don't brag about it. You help them. You encourage them. Okay, I'll show you how to do this. And, if, and if, if, if I have one daughter that's better at something else, then she can help her sister learn how to do that, right? Do you see what I mean? That's, that's kindness and love. And each one of our children have those different strengths and those weaknesses. And a mother will see those and she will help them to grow in those areas to excel in the areas that they can excel in, to build them up in the areas of weakness, and to help them, right? And each one of you, it's the church is no, you, you gotta understand that the home is just a microcosm of the church. It's, it's the same thing in that sense, or vice versa, whichever way you wanna look at it. It's the same way here. You, some of you men have strengths that I don't have. I, I, I don't have them, but you have them. But I don't, I hope that you don't look at me and think, well, he doesn't know how to do this, so you know, there must be something wrong with him. Because I hope you would say, well, I can help him do it. Right? Because we're a body. So it's like we work together. So it's like some of you have strengths. I don't have them. I, 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 I can't. You're like, why can't, you know, some, some of you are like, why can't you figure out this? Because it just don't, it don't click. All right? And I know you don't understand that, but I understand that when I watch people try to do things and it just doesn't click. So maybe God gifted you to help, right? Maybe God, that, that's what you're there for. That's what, it's like, it's like Dan. I told Dan, I said, Brother Dan, can you build me something for this? Because, you know, I, I can't draw stickmen, and I certainly couldn't draw a design, but I kind of told him what I wanted, didn't I, Dan? But I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I, I can't. It's just not, it's not me. It's just not. And I'm okay with that. I'm not, it's not that I wouldn't be willing to try. It's just, I, I've tried. It doesn't work. Uh, but he was able to do it, right? And that's how the body works. That's, right? That's how it's supposed to work. You have those strengths, and we're to all work together, not be like, well, he doesn't know how to do this. Well, that's okay. You can do it. I'm not better than you because I can do things that you can't do. We're all brought together for a purpose, to glorify God, to edify one another. And every single person in here has gifts and strengths and things that they add to the body. 
That's, that's the way God made it. It's a beautiful thing, really. It's amazing. And when a home runs like that, it's an amazing thing. There's nothing more amazing than watching that dynamic in a home. Watching a husband and wife being able to work together or watching the wife and the children be able to run around and do everything and get everything done and, and work together. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And it's something that you ought to strive for in your home, for that unity and that purpose and that, that, that design because each one has that. It's, a, it's amazing to watch. Like, like, you know, uh, the, Brother Paul and his family put together the geocentricity stuff, and, 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 they're, and, the, and the, the ladies are drawing stuff. I'm like, yeah, I can't even draw a stick, man. I'm like, I'm like draw me something, Dad. Okay. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. I, just, I don't know either. But you know what? God uses that, right? God, Brother Andrew and his video and, his, and, and Andre the wedding planner and the French press guy and yeah, all that stuff, and, right? And not, not Bob the builder, but Dave the builder. But... Uh, Right? Everybody, but everybody has gifts, right? Everybody has those things. That's how a home's supposed to work. You let your children develop. Yeah, we, as character, we work on things that we're not good at. So what did I do? When Dave was building that stuff over there, I worked alongside of him. I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I, I lend the hand, I held the board, I did, I did but I, I did it, right? Well, and you helped spiritually too. Right, and that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. So yesterday I'm, I'm sitting here and here comes Johnny and Dan. They were locked out and they, they, start, they came in and built this. Amen. They worked together to do that, right? And I thank God for that. And each one of you have a, have a purpose like that. Things that you can do for the Lord. Each one of you have gifts like that that are important to the body. And your home, in your home, each one of your children have gifts like that. They have gifts and things. And, and character-wise, we build up the weaknesses that are there, and we just do it. We're not good at it. There's some things Dave said, you know what? I can't do that. I'm not good at that. So somebody else, somebody else does it, right? Somebody else can do it. But you know what? It doesn't mean we don't help. It doesn't mean we don't work on it. It doesn't mean we don't encourage each other. That's important in a home. A mother sees that and, and, and allows those things and develops those things. It's an amazing thing to see. Her wisdom is shown in developing those things. Upon the female head of the house more than upon any else depends the unity, peace, and concord of this temple of living stones. It's, wife sets the peace for the home a lot. She sets that, that peace, that unity. An unwise woman who is, who is at the head of a house caricatures her position by her conduct. Her position implies that she is, she is supposed to be a builder up. Her conduct has the effect of pulling down when she's wrong. A woman can pull down that house, destroy it. With her hands, she can pluck it down. One said it this way, A clown upon a kingly throne is not more out of place than a foolish woman who bears the name of a wife and a mother. The reins are in her hands, but she does not know how to guide the chariot. The materials are in her possession, but she has no skill to use them. She is not only no center of unity, she is a source of discord. She not only cannot build the house herself, but she makes it impossible for anybody else to do anything towards it. She is not only no crown to her husband, but she is rottenness to his bones. There is no neutral. Either you and I are obedient in doing what God's called us to do, or we're not. There's no, like, neutral ground. We tell that to Christians, right? There's no, like, you're not out here. If you're out here and you're not serving God when they're out there and we're preaching the gospel to these people, what do we tell them? Well, you're not neutral. Like, you're, you're either obeying God or you're not. You're either lost or you're saved. There is no neutral place, right? 
You either follow the Lord or you don't. And when men stand up and they hate the preaching of God's word, when we're out there on the street, we just look at them and say, you're against God's word. Why? Why are you bolstering yourself? You claim to be a Christian and you're against God's word. You're not neutral. You're an enemy. Amen. Wisdom in a woman has built her house beginning a long time ago, but folly in women is an affair of the present. It has been at work long. It would have no house to pull down. As entering upon the work of the wise, ungodly mothers tear down the house, which generations of the righteous have been slowly building. One said it this way. The grand comment, however, is that this womanly wisdom or wise woman, like the woman of grace or the woman of folly, has a meaning. Women do much toward building up, but they also do much in pulling it down. Every wise woman buildeth her house. Every holy and handy woman buildeth her house, not only by bearing and breeding up children as Rachel and Leah builded the house of Israel, but by a prudent and provident preventing of losses and dangers as Abigail. What a wise woman she was, right? What a wise woman to diffuse the situation, right? To do what she did. She was very wise in how she conducted herself, a wise woman. As also by a careful planning and putting everything to the best, like as a carpenter, that is to build a house, lays the plan and platform of it first in the brain, forecasts in his mind how everything shall be, and then so orders his stuff that nothing be cut to waste. Lo, such is the guise of a good wife. As the husband is as the head, from whom all the sinews do flow, so she is the hands into which they flow and enable them to do their office. <laughs> do, you, do you honestly think that as men of Old Past Baptist Church that we could go out and preach the gospel and do the things that we do if our wives were not at home doing what they do. I know I couldn't as a pastor. I, I couldn't pastor properly. I, I could without my wife like that. I couldn't. If she was in rebellion, if she didn't want to walk with God, if she didn't want to live for God, I couldn't do it. No man. Who could? You can't. Right? We couldn't go out there and preach like that and do those things without having the home strengthened like that. It's just, you, there's such peace and comfort to know that you go from the opposite. You're out in the world and there are loud and stubborn and nasty women everywhere and you go home to peace and calm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, there's nothing like it in this world. Amen. It's a piece of heaven is what it is. The foolish plucketh it down with their hands. With both hands, earnestly, she undoes the family whereof she is the calamity. Be she never so witty, if with it she be not religious and thrifty, heedy and handy. Be the husband never so frugal, if the wife be idle or lavish or proud or given to gadding and gossiping, he doth but draw water with a sieve or seek to pull a loaded cart through a sandy way without the help of a horse. It little boots him to bestir himself for he is for he puts his gets into a bag with holes in it it's like gathering with a bag with holes in it right working against two people in the home a husband and wife that are not unified and walking in the spirit and a woman not building her house they're not working together man they're working against each other they're just they're pulling in opposite directions there's it's a, it's a terrible thing it's a, it's the worst thing you could ever see in a home one man said he labors in the fire <laughs> like that. As one man said, he was a bishop, and he said, whose wife burnt all his notes that he had been eight years in gathering. 
lest he should kill himself with too much study, for she had much ado to get him to his meals, so that he was forced to fall to work again, and was eight years in gathering the same notes wherewith he composed his dictionary. That useful book. His wife burned eight years of his notes. On purpose. Oh, he's overworking himself. <laughs> Burn his notes. Great idea. Could you imagine? I <laughs> that test of that guy's love. <laughs> this man said it this one man said it this way, my wife seeing me bookish is no less diligent about my books than about my barns, whom she breeds up with a singular care and tenderness. So he's saying whether she takes she takes care of both. How well might he have done having such a learned helper as a countryman of his did, that he set forth every year a book and a child, a book and a child. Wow. <laughs> but this, by the way, only. The foolish, literally folly, but feminine in form, feminine folly plucketh, plucketh it down. The sentiment is that in building up a family, the woman, the wife, and the mother has possibly more to do than the man. Great men have generally been more indebted to their mothers than to their fathers. And the greatness of certain families is traced chiefly to the maternal wisdom and virtues. I'm telling you, that's, that's the truth, and Satan knows it, and that's why he tries to remove mom from that home and get her out of that place, because he's afraid of that. That make, that, that, because Satan's kingdom is completely assaulted by a woman that knows her place and knows her work and submits to that and does it. Amen. It frightens the devil. Why? Because she builds an army that no, no one else can build. You see, you have to understand something. As a pastor at a church and as a husband, I can only have so, we can only have so many children. <laughs> okay? But guess what? Each mom in those homes, serving the Lord, raising children, doing that, you raise up an army. You're raising an army now. Look around at all the children. Look around and think about that. That's what, that's what happens. More so than a pastor can do, more so than any could do like that. And Satan knows that. And to weaken the family weakens the church. That's the goal to get mom away from there. So mom doesn't, and, and, and that's Satan's goal for you. The number one thing that Satan would have you to do as a mother is to distract you. If he can distract you from your work as a wife and a mother, if he can distract you from it, oh man, he knows that that distraction will cause dysfunction in the home and it will destroy the home. So that's the goal. If I can't take you out of the home, then distract them. Distract them from the work. Tempt them to be discontented with their life. Because that will abode well for his kingdom. Because the devil fears that biblical family. Well, how do you know that? Well, all you got to do is go back to Genesis 3 and figure it out. What did he do? Yea, hath God said? He disturbed Eve. Why? So she would come out of her head, her husband. Why? So he could disrupt the family. He disrupted their marriage. He disrupted the home. He tempted them and they got out of line with God. And what happened? They were judged for it. Well, what's, what's he still doing? The same exact thing today. The attacks never changed. It's still there. It's an attack on God's word. It's an attack on marriage. That he hates it. He hates biblical marriage. He hates it. 
Why? Because he cannot keep a covenant. Satan cannot keep a covenant. He cannot keep an agreement. He cannot keep, he's a liar and the father of it. So he hates everyone that keeps an agreement. He doesn't like that. He, doesn't, he hates faithfulness. He absolutely loathes faithfulness because he's the father of lies. So he would tempt you to lie. He would tempt you to not be faithful. He would tempt you to all those things. Tempt you to discouragement to do all those things. Tempt you to destroy your own home by doing nothing at all, by being distracted. But of the foolish, but of the foolish woman, just the reverse may be said, she needs no help to pull down her house. Her negligence, ill management, extravagance, lack of capacity for family government or other, any other failings or vices do the deed for her. She destroys her own family. For example, the wise woman, we see all through the scriptures, Proverbs 31.10 and Proverbs 24. Turn there, Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. Through wisdom, verse 3, Proverbs 24, through wisdom is a house builded. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Through wisdom. Through the wise woman, the house is builded. Through using wisdom. Amen. By understanding, it is established. Think about that the blessings of the Lord upon such a thing. Her wisdom is evident in that she looks well to the ways of her household. She is not content that her household be fed properly and clothed nicely. She is concerned about their ways, how they live. She makes sure that her children are trained in God's word and are, and are taught to walk in the fear of the Lord. Like Timothy's mother and grandmother. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I mean, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, makes sure that you understand how he felt about godly women. Amen. And I, I mean to make sure you understand, as a pastor, how I, I feel about godly women. You may see me preach on the, the, the um, you know, Jezebels and, the, and the, you know, the, the strange woman and all that, but I respect and thank God for godly women. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter, uh, let's see, I think it's 1. Actually, actually, it's uh, verse 5, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. When I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Amen? Grandmother and mother. Timothy didn't have a father raise him, a godly father raise him. He had a godly grandmother and a godly mother. And he didn't turn into a fruit either. Amen. Right? I'm not saying that's the ideal circumstance. It's not. Paul didn't say that either. But what did he say? And it's possible for them to turn out for God. Why? Because you have a godly grandmother and a godly mother. Amen. That's good, isn't it? That's important. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, I believe it is. And verse 15. 
Verse 14 will back up. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child. Well, Paul didn't know him as a child. No, he's talking about Eunice. Right? He's talking about Lois. He's talking about them teaching him. And that from a child. Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. What's he talking about when he tells Timothy that he, he, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures? Some of the Old Testament. Isn't he right there? Now, that's applicable for you and I today, too. But I'm just saying, because Timothy had the Old Testament, right? That's what he would, that's what he would have had. Because it was being written at this time. The New Testament was and, and, uh, and put out. So. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to make sure that you understand that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The entire book, amen? All of it. All Scripture. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. By the way, it's important this woman instructs her children in the Scriptures. That's important for you as a mother. That your instruction is biblically based. It's not based on the world's philosophy. It's based on the Scriptures. We don't care what the world says. The world tells you, oh, you can't uh, discipline your children. You can't do that. You can't do any of those things. The Bible says, thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Right? They can't, they can't accept that concept. Oh, that's terrible. No, what's terrible is cutting their genitals off and feeding them drugs. That's terrible. What's terrible is to hand them over to your state-run institutions that molest them and destroy them. That's terrible. What's terrible is sending them to, that, to, to the indoctrination camps. That's terrible. What's terrible is their Marxist theology or their Marxist ideologies. That's terrible. What's biblical is following what God's Word says. Like I told people, I, I, don't, I don't care who likes it or doesn't like it. It doesn't really matter. I've already seen what the world produces for children. I don't want anything to do with it. It's nasty. Amen. It's nasty. Right? Reminds you of Rome when they were killing the Waldenses and stealing their children. They said, oh, they're eating their children. We got to take them away. It's like, you know, David Koresh and his cult compound there. Well, we can't let him have a cult. Let's kill him. For the children. It's for the children. Burned them all alive, didn't they? For the children. Now, I'm not condoning anything David Koresh did. I don't have to. I sure ain't condoning what those devils did. They burned all them children alive. They killed them all. That's the state. That's the beast. Right? So I don't, I don't take my direction from the beast. I don't take how I raise children from the beast. Right? Or Dr. Spock or, or Captain Kirk, either one of them. Either one of them. Although I've been known to do a little bit of Vulcan. No, just kidding. Nerve damage on Dave a little bit. 
She will be very careful of the behavior of her children in their tender years and will not see them trained up in idleness or indulged in any vanity which may afterward grow into a vice. She looketh well. Her eyes are not distracted from her family by entertainment, by vice, or by idleness, but she is truly focused on her own family. Not like James Dobson, right? But focused on her own family, right? I, we need to start a website, focusonyourownfamily.com, right? Lying and evil speaking and unfaithfulness to the Lord's church are not tolerated where she guides the home, right? She teaches her children, you're faithful to God's word, you're faithful to your mother and father, you're faithful to the Lord's house, right? Amen. You better take heed to how your children grow up and pay close attention to alarming things in your children. Talk about them, lead them, address them, and guide them, and teach them the things that they need to know. What are things that are wrong? For we're responsible for weeding out the things that are wrong in their lives and helping them with that. We know overall it's the Holy Spirit that will do the work, but we have to lead in that. God's given, given them to us. She is, one says she is the moral manager. She takes care that all behave themselves well, that none of them shall keep bad company or, con, or contact, contract vicious habits. Right? You see habits that you don't like that are forming things that you deal with them. You put them down. Nope, you're not doing this. Don't start. You warn children. You start habit, bad habits, they rarely get over. By the way, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12, verse number 11. Because there are many times that you would apply this only to men in the world. I think I started late because I had a real long opening introduction when I was laughing about some food or something. But anyway, we'll be almost done in a minute. Somebody's chicken's burning, but that's okay. Amen. We're here, for, we're here for the Word of God, right? Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse number 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I want you to think about that. Now, a lot of times I think ladies, like give, maybe, maybe you might give yourself a little bit of a pass. Because you see these verses, and most of the time pastors preach on these verses. They will preach on them concerning men. Because we tell men, you know, when you go to work, don't be slothful. Right. Well, when you get up in the morning and you serve the Lord through your family and through the and your husband through your family, you're not to be slothful either. Not slothful in business. That's everybody. That's why he didn't say business out in the world, did he? No. What's your business? It's your home. That's your business. Right? Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. You know, it's with energy and, the, the, and fervency that you do your work. Serving the Lord. That's what you do in your home. Not slothful. Fervent. It's the opposite of slothful. Not just for men, but for you in the home. She looketh well to the actions and the habits of the household. She exercises careful surveillance over all that goes on in the family. The Bible says houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. It goes on to say, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The prudent foresee evil. They are watching. The one trait we see of this woman is she looketh well to the ways of her household. She's watching. She's paying attention. This denotes not being distracted by things. So you're paying attention. It's kind of like a pastor who's to watch for your soul as they that must give an account, right? 
And sometimes people don't like that, right? They say, well, I don't, they, they don't like being watched like that, right? They, they, they looked, out, looked over and watched and, and helped, right? They essentially want to say, well, don't do your job. <laughs> don't do what God's called you to do. Don't do your work. Be slothful in your business, pastor. Don't, <laughs> don't look out for my soul. I can't do that, right? Because I have to give an account. Just like you and I, but we have to give an account for what we do. So we can't be slothful when it comes to these things. Do you watch, lady, do you watch the ways of your household? Do you look out for your children and for potential pitfalls that can come from their character issues? Do you look, do you watch? We all have them, we all have weaknesses. Our children do, we do. We must watch our children and study them to know them and to try to extract from their hearts the things that you see that are going on in their actions, things that concern you. You're to be like the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 3.10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. How you grow the plant or the tree will determine the fruitfulness in life. And lastly, she look at the well, it implies that she is sober-minded. She's not distracted, but she's sober. She's serious. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. We plow in hope. When you raise your children, you raise them in hope. You don't raise them to think that all is going to be destroyed or all is going to fall. You raise them and you plow in hope. It's like I've said over and over again as a pastor, I plow in hope. I don't, I don't, look, to, I, I, I don't look out and believe that, that people are past helping. I think, well, man, don't you ever give up on people? No, they give up on me, but I don't give up on them. They got to leave. They, <laughs> I won't give up on them. I mean, they keep going. Why? Because I ain't here to give up. Amen. I'm here to work till God takes me home. Right? And I mean to finish the work he's called me to do by his grace. I mean to see everyone cross the finish line. And then I won't see me crossing it, but I'll be up there. Amen. <laughs> You'll see me crossing it, Lord willing. You children will bury us someday. Don't spend too much money on it. Amen. Just do it cheap. Box will do. Garrick will dig the hole. You don't need the box. Just throw me in. Just wrap me up. I don't care what you're just doing. Maybe you want to see my head down there, so maybe you might want to cover it. I don't know. Right? We don't care. We're not too worried about that. It's going to rise anyway, that body is. It's going to rise new. So whatever dirt gets on it, it won't be there when it rises. Amen. <laughs> it ain't going to be there only for a short time, like the Lord says, then it'll rise. Amen. Titus chapter 2, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behaviors, becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober. Why do you have to teach young women to be sober? Same reason why you have to teach young men to be sober. Because we're not. <laughs> so we have to learn to be sober, right? Because it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? 
And sober-mindedness denotes paying attention, watching, paying attention. You teach them to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. That's their work. Love your husband, love your children. As a wife, that's your work. Love your husband, love your children. In that order. Amen. God's order. Amen. You want to be married for the rest of your life until you die? Love your husband, love your children. That's the work. Amen. That's the work. That's the order God has. It's His order. Right? To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good obedience to their own husbands, it's the word of God, be not blasphemed. Peter says again, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind to be sober and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. Firmness. Soberness. Watch. You know, people that are watching, that are on guard, they're alert. They're awake, and they're making sure that nothing's getting by. They're not like the hunter that falls asleep in the deer stand, right, Lee? But they're watching what goes by. They're careful to watch things. They're not distracted. They're watching, right? They're, they're careful to watch. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Second, 2 Timothy 3, 6, For the, this sort, they which creep into houses, are they which creep into houses, and lead captive silly women laden with sins. Don't be a silly woman. Watch. Be sober. Pay attention. Don't be a silly woman. Don't be distracted that easy. Don't, be, don't, don't have a lack of sobriety to where you're taken off course so easy. Don't be distracted by, by, by other things. There are so many things that want your attention, but there are only a few things that really demand and command your attention. Remember that. Everything will want your, your attention. There are only a few things that should command your attention. Only a few things. Amen. It's very important to remember. Because everything is going to want to pull you in every direction. The world is going to want to pull you in every direction. People are going to want to pull you. Well-meaning people sometimes will want to pull you into many directions. No, no. Only a few things should command your attention. And your husband and your children are the two main things. Overall, the Lord Jesus Christ. But God has fitted you for that service there where you are. And they should have your attention. That should have your attention. Don't be distracted while raising your children. Don't be distracted while, le while, while uh, uh, loving your husband. Don't be distracted away from those things. Those two are your main protocols when it comes to glorifying God. That's how you glorify God as a wife. You love your husband. You love your children. Your attention is on your husband. Your attention is on your children. That's where your attention is. And anything you do outside of that is by means of training your own children. Like some of you, you go help people, right? And you teach your children to be charitable, to help others. That's, that's training them. That's not wrong. That's not taking your attention away. Everything that you do, it's like these, the young ladies and young men of the church, they go help somebody. What are we teaching them? Well, we're teaching them that you help one another. We're teaching them charity one for another. 
right, to help each other. So I'm still instructing my children. I'm still doing, you as a mother are still doing what you're supposed to do. You're instructing them to do it. You're instructing them how to be charitable. You're instructing them how to do good things. You're instructing them how to serve a husband. You're instructing them how to love their, their husband and wife. That's all, you're doing it. You're do, that's the work that you're doing when you teach them to serve others. It's a valuable work. And it, it'll yield rewards for the rest of your life and then. You won't gather all the rewards when you're dead. You'll gather them in heaven one day. Amen. That mother will gather those rewards. Every, every soul that we have ever preached to, the women of this church have part of that account. Every soul. Amen. Every. Without a doubt. They share in the same rewards. Amen. Never forget that. These women that were silly, they were led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're always wandering about, going like this. Not wandering about doing good. Right? Going about doing good. Going about doing good denotes order, properness. Wandering about. Not good. Not good. Mark 14, 38. Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. 1 Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. You're to watch the ways of your house. Watch the way it goes. Be watched. Put a guard up. Be sober. Pay attention. Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the book. Thank you, Lord, for your instruction for us. That, Lord, you didn't leave us without anything that we needed. We have everything. We are not without anything to understand in the Bible. You've given it to us, Lord. Now give us the understanding and the obedience, Lord. Help us to fulfill it. But, Lord, we thank you for not leaving us without instructions. We're not like the world that wanders about trying to figure out what they should do. We have a book. It's alive. It tells us everything we need. Thank you, Lord, for feeding our souls. Please help us to follow you. Help us to be obedient. Help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And thank you for a Father in heaven that loves us. Thank you for this book. Lord, thank you for this church. Help us all to love one another and edify one another. Forgive us our faults. Forgive us our sins. Cleanse us of our unrighteousness. Help us to walk always in that newness of life. Help us to love one another with a pure heart fervently. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.